Harrison, you should like get a shellacum with a shillelagh. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, my favorite podcast is the Sick and Wrong Podcast. Cause it's a very good podcast. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a funny, 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 funny show. Sick and Wrong Podcast is a wonderful Good evening, welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for anti-social commentary. I'm your host, D. Simon. And I'm Harrison. Harrison, what's cracking? Not much, man. Got a great show planned today. Yeah, we do. Um, a lot going on. Well, we have a special guest in the studio, mm. which is kind of rare. We usually we, we do Skype interviews, but uh, I'd like to introduce author, artist, and filmmaker William E. Jones. Hello there. Happy William. to be here. Yeah, it's, uh, th- thanks for coming down. Uh, we're going to be talking about your book that hasn't yet come out. It's coming out next month. Yes. Uh, True Homosexual Experiences, Boyd McDonald and Straight to Hell. Yes. Yeah, so we're going to get into that in a second. But first, I was going to tell you something weird that happened today. Okay. So, um... I don't know if you have a. Uh, do you, I don't know if you have a marijuana card there, William. But uh, uh, no, I don't. You don't. Mm-hmm. Have you ever owned one? No, I haven't. No. Um, I recently acquired one. I guess it was probably in November. Anyway, I go to this dispensary that's like around the corner, right on uh, Sunset near near Western, somewhere around over there. But anyway, I usually go there, and it's it's kind of fun if you've ever been into a dispensary. But it's it's great. It's very convenient. I and, uh, smell them often. Yeah, you you walk by. So um, I, I go over there. I only go maybe once a month. It's not not that often. You just kind of you go in. Usually you have to get buzzed in by a menacing security guard, and they only let like two people in at once. And then there's all these sexy bud tenders that weigh out your bud. Um, so anyway, I was in there, and uh, the guy in front of me had no arms. Hmm. Armless man. Oh my. Armless man buying marijuana. Yeah. Yeah. And, so, and you uh, had to take his wallet out or something. I, right? I told, yeah, I told you that. So I was standing there mm. behind him like, uh, this is, how does he even smell? I mean, just so many questions were circulating. And so, uh, you know, they, they asked him like, okay, well, it's going to cost, you know, $35 for this eighth. And so he asked me if I would reach into his pocket and pull out his wallet. It wasn't like his back, but it was his jacket pocket. You should be thankful you weren't at the urinal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure that there's a, that's a Boyd McDonald story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so anyway, is that like a euphemism, reach into my pocket? It sounds like one, doesn't it? It, it Pocket like pool. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, there's no hanky code going on here. This was just, I was just sitting there. And I reached his, I, I got his wallet. I, I paid him. And uh, she gives him the weed. And it's in like, you know, they give me like little pill cases sort of. Yeah. And uh, she just kind of put it in his mouth. And he, he opens up his pocket and just slipped it into his uh, shirt pocket with his mouth. Do you think he does stuff with his feet? Like that's what you have to learn? Well, For sure. Well, I mean, that, he smokes yeah. with his feet. Right. Well, yeah. he has to because he wasn't buying joints. Mm-hmm. He was buying, you know, like an eighth of marijuana, so which means he must roll oh, up something or put yeah. it in a bowl. Mm. How, I mean, unless he has a friend that does it for him or a, or a significant other. I mean, I, I'm assuming he probably just rolls up a blunt with his feet. Right. That's something. great. I don't know. Yeah, no, I was, I was, quite, I was quite impressed. Like, I think somebody would give the poor guy like a robot arm or some shit, you know? Well, They yeah. have those now. That's the thing. 
you can yeah, have this guy's this guy's not like Donald Trump. I don't think okay. he has Donald Trump money you know. there, Harrison. So, well, I don't know. I mean, somebody, somebody should uh, start a charity. You know? so for, for all those like uh, medicinal marijuana smokers that have no arms, yeah, it's like know? we give you robot arms. Yeah, that will yeah. that will they will make joints for you. Right? I wonder if it's like if it looks like you know like a, with those roach clips, you know the finger. So it's not actually you can't do anything else with a robot arm. Just smoke joints. Hmm. Boy, that sounds fun. Yeah, I could think of some other charities that might be, I don't know, a little more important. But hey, um, yeah, so uh, anyway, I ended up uh, getting some marijuana, coming home, and just thinking about this pretty much all day. Interesting. And on that note, let's talk yeah. about some homosexual experiences <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> involving men with arms, I imagine. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know of any stories in Boyd McDonald's books that involve arm, armless arm, men. Armless yeah. men, yeah. The yeah. old reach around. Yeah, I wonder if that's a, is a, that could be a fetish. I'm sure there's a fetish out there for there, armless there men. Amputee is. fetish, oh yeah. yeah. I've yeah. seen that. I've come across that. And, and I should add that the appendage that concerns them most is not the arm. It's not the arms. <laughs> So, uh, William, you uh, wrote a biography of uh, Boyd McDonald. Yes. And his, um, his notorious zine called Straight to Hell. It's called True Homosexual Experiences. When, when does it come out? When it comes it out release? next month. Um, we've had a little problem with the Chinese shippers. It was printed in China, as many books are. And the printing, we thought, might cause problems due to the quote-unquote obscene content. But uh, actually, the printers gave us no trouble at all, but it's the shippers who were balking at it. Did they read the book, the shippers? Someone took it out of the uh, shrink wrap and took a look at the pictures in it, because there are some nice pictures of erect members and, you know, such things. So apparently they don't like penises on, on boats in China. Uh, no more, no more than Instagram does. Okay, <laughs> but you know it's being shipped through Hong Kong, and it'll be okay. Uh, I'm hoping all the books show up for my various readings and speaking events that are associated with yeah, the book. Exactly. Um, yeah, that that could. Uh... That could cause some problems for you. Yeah, it could. Although we we have a plan B, we're gonna, if indeed the hardback book does not show up in at, at the harbor in time, we will uh, print up a special, extra filthy edition of the book with extra pictures. Oh, that's that's a that's a good idea. Yeah, we'll and it can be, plan. become a collector's item. I can sign all the copies, and people can sell them, so they won't feel like they're being ripped off. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Especially people are going to like the reading and the, the, the release party and all that. Indeed. So, uh, tell me, who was Boyd McDonald, and uh, what inspired you to write a, a book about him? Uh, Boyd McDonald was the founder of the queer zine. He he founded Straight to Hell in 1973. Uh, there had been zines before, and there had been queer magazines before, but he was the first one to do something so kind of irreverent and informal. Uh, and they'd started off as just mimeographed sheets of paper. They looked almost like high school handouts from the 70s, which is kind of interesting and appropriate because it was all about filthy sex. Now, it wasn't just sex that interested him. He was interested in American politics as well. And a lot of what he wrote could be considered satire. Uh, Mm. And he he was very interested as well in very unflattering pictures of politicians, people in public life. So, for instance, in the book, there's a a wonderful double page spread. And one is, you know, some guy showing his enormous cock and his pucker. And then the facing page is Henry Kissinger picking his nose. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) 
This is the, the kind of juxtaposition. Thing that, yeah, well, that's that's, that's interesting. the kind of thing that he lived for finding this yeah. crap. What? Well, that, that's really interesting, just because it's you know kind of before at that time political satire. Like it was before the Daily Show, oh, so yeah. like most of like political satire was just those assholes who did the like Mark Russell who did the we're doing the congressional rag. They do those awful songs. Yeah, but at the at the same time, you you look at someone like Al Goldstein who did Screw Magazine or Larry Flint with Hustler, yeah. and both of those you know were in the political satire. That's true, arena. absolutely. Yeah. And, and then, another thing to mention is one of his closest friends, somebody he was on the phone with constantly was Gore Vidal, who wrote satire and who was definitely invested in politics sure. and who was definitely interested in true homosexual experiences. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the two of them would gossip on the phone on a regular basis. Mm. Curiously, though, I interviewed John Waters about this, and he told me that Gore Vidal did not admit even knowing Boyd McDonald. He, they were in a conversation, and, and John thought, oh, I'll break the ice, and I'll talk about Boyd McDonald. That's something we can share. And he was completely stone-faced. He didn't acknowledge knowing Boyd at mm. all. Uh, and even then, he was concerned, perhaps, that there would be a yeah, problem with his, with his reputation. With his image. Mm. I imagine uh, Boyd McDonald must have been an inspiration or an influence to uh, John Waters. Absolutely. Yeah, oh, time. yeah. I mean, a lot of very important figures in culture have, have a relationship with him. John Waters probably being the most famous, but he he revered those magazines from, you know, not the earliest issues, but maybe the mid to late 70s. He was avidly collecting them. And um, he actually ended up interviewing some people whose photographs appeared in Straight to Hell. Uh, there weren't just political commentaries. There were also these uh, really interesting photographs by people like David Hurls, who lives in Los Angeles. He's in a nursing home now, and uh, he had a company called Old Reliable. And he would get guys just fresh from the bus station who were on parole, or maybe they were even on the lam, and they would threaten to kill him. And they were nasty as hell. I mean, tattoos and, you know, really very rough specimens. And Mike, wells. Oh, and boy, did they have an audience. I mean, there was an enormous <laughs> number. There were enormous numbers of people who were interested in seeing sexual situations involving these guys. And, you know, some of them went pretty far. Some of them would be hardcore sex. Some of them would just be guys with erections and, you know, flipping the bird. But, but you know, he played with some of their buttholes and, you know, it got pretty deep. Mm. And uh, he also, he released audio recordings these cassette tapes of basically prison dudes threatening to kill fags and people would masturbate to this stuff. Wow. That's hmm. not, that is a bizarre fetish. Uh, perhaps. Hey, man, I mean, made, you know, they, they were see. different times. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one thing, the one thing about Boyd is he, his sensibility was very much pre gay liberation. He was interested in public sex and he had no interest at all in the political aspect of being gay. He didn't even use the word gay. He used the word homosexual. Hmm. And for him, homosexuality was what you did. It was your private life. It was the, the stuff that made you excited. And gay was your public face. It was the political activists who he considered to be a bunch of eunuchs. And he thought, you know, any consideration of homosexuality that doesn't talk about specific sex acts is just stupid and pointless. Wow, he sounds a lot like my brother. 
My brother, my brother. I mean, he's my, obviously my brother is like if 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 gays want to get married, they should get married. But my brother's kind of anti-gay. He's anti-marriage. Yeah, yeah. Like, and he's just like, well, gay people should get married. He's like, we're a promiscuous lot. That's how we've always been. And you know, Boyd would agree with him completely. And you know, there's a political justification for this. Uh, one thing that I can say is in the political struggle for gay marriage, there has to be a total laundering of the behavior of gay men. You know, you can't admit what people are actually yeah. doing. <laughs> Whereas this is precisely Boyd's obsession. He wants every He's detail. celebrating it. Absolutely. Yeah. And he would send people questionnaires that were obsessively detailed. How did it smell? What did it look like? How did it taste? What were you doing at the time? Where did you meet? How did it go down? How big was it? Every every detail he wanted to know. Very graphic. So that that's the thing. Like his so his straight to hell was a he collected readers' true homosexual experiences. Yes. So, that, so they're quote unquote true stories yes. of sex acts. And he drew a distinction between pornography, which is what he considered to be fictional stuff, and smut. And for him, smut was the truth. Was the, was the it truth. was the stuff people really did. Now, people questioned the veracity of this material well, that, almost that's, from that's the what beginning. I'm doing. Yeah. I've read a few stories. And uh, so uh, Harrison sent me a copy of Meat, yeah. which is uh, How Men Look, Act, Walk, Talk, Undress, Taste, and Smell True Homosexual Experiences from Straight to Hell. It's a paperback, but it's a collection of uh, stories. You, you have the book right there. I do indeed. And yeah, uh, the guy who fucked the Vatican Guard, I don't really know if I bought into is, that story. Is, yeah. Oh, I buy it. Have you seen the way they? dress <laughs> oh please so oh. I, I read a few stories and i was like i was you know these stories are outrageous very deviant and i was just like i wonder how true this, this one this one guy's story was uh he was hanging out in a men's bathroom some guy just took a shit he goes into the stall and he picks the turd up out of the toilet and eats some of it hey people do it yep i can imagine how how true is that like it, may, it makes me skeptical how true are these okay stories? i can say a couple of things one is that uh at the time boyd was really sexually active it was an outlaw experience everybody who was a practicing homosexual was against the law and it was like this fellowship of people who were you know total social outcasts and they really felt like they could do anything. I mean, if we're if we're risking arrest just by being ourselves, just by having nice sex and holding hands and all that, we might as well go for fucking broke. <laughs> we might as well do it all. Yeah, let's just t let's just toss all our inhibitions out the door. It doesn't really matter now. So so you'd have this life where people would be very buttoned down in their business life. They would be going to the office. They would look really respectable. And then five o'clock strikes and they are hanging from some implement in a sex club or they are sucking off policemen in urinals. Who the hell knows? But so there's there's that. But there's another aspect of it I'd, I'd like to mention. Uh, some people thought he made these stories up. And well, well that's what, that was my inclination at first. I read this. I'm like, there's no way. This could have really went. Some guy, it was like a story of some guy got like gangbanged by like 37 uh, dock workers or something. And yeah, I like, still, I believe that one too. <laughs> but um, I, I, I have. logistically, that yeah, sounds a little troubling. 37 dock yeah. workers, yeah. Hmm. Well, I'm lot. sure there was some very good lubricant involved. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But, Hopefully. But, 
anyway, uh, he, I, I have testimony in the book. This is the thing. I, I researched that question specifically. And I have testimony from people who visited him where he lived and they saw bags and bags of letters. They looked at the letters. They were all in different handwritings and some of them were typed and some of them were on, you know, fancy stationery. Some of them were scrawled practically with crayon on toilet paper. And he would take them all and he edited them. He didn't put words in anyone's mouth, but he did edit them for length. He didn't want the, them to go on and on. So he made them less redundant. Uh, he actually had experience as an editor, which is something I, it, it's really interesting to talk about his life before he became a zine editor. Did he go to like Harvard? Or, he did uh, indeed. Yeah, it's like an Ivy, Ivy League college. Um, he had really kind of three separate lives. Um, he grew up in South Dakota in a farm town. And um, he actually had a sister and a gay brother who had a very different life uh, and a mother and father. He was drafted into the army and upon his discharge from the army, he went to Harvard. And at Harvard, he was a classmate of uh, John Ashbery, the poet, Frank O'Hara, another poet, uh, Edward Gorey, the artist. Oh, wow. They were all living in close proximity at Harvard at that moment. Uh, and it was a very special moment for that for that school because uh, people were very openly gay. They were really practicing. Uh, what was this like the the fifties? He graduated in the class of nineteen forty nine. Forty nine. Wow! And they're openly gay at that time. Very much so, but not to the university, but to each other. To the community. And and and, and you know, I, I shouldn't say openly gay. They were practicing. They were having lots and lots of sex. I mean, many many of the people who were involved in this. Were. Was Edward Gorey gay? I guess I never really thought. Well, about he's it. still alive, so there's yeah. no was. <laughs> or, uh, oh, okay. But you know, he 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 is totally tight tight lipped about his sexuality. I guess I never really thought about it, but hey. You know. mm. But you know, at Harvard at that time, uh, you know, half the football team would be having orgies, and they were n they would never identify themselves as gay, as queer, as fairies. They thought of themselves as straight, and many of them would go on to get married and have children. But at the hmm. same time, on the side, they'd be having sex with men. And they were having sex with men at Harvard. So it's a very particular culture that Boyd is talking about. And it's one that has really faded away with the approval of gay marriage. Uh, now that everyone's, you know, kind of res has a respectable face. Uh, it isn't quite so common for people to be married to we, women and then go off and have sex with guys. Yeah, it's a, it doesn't necessitate you know, it doesn't necessitate the need for a beard anymore. You don't need to to hide your sexuality. Yeah, that's you know, one just, one aspect yeah. of it, and and also we live in the age of the apps and yeah, yeah, you know grinder. all sorts of stuff goes on there that really has it's hardly been talked about. But it is it is the new frontier of all of this. Unfortunately, it's not people meeting in person. You you know, the great thing about these really embattled gay bars and these really clandestine social spaces where people would have sex is they were kind of utopian. People of every social class would mix. Men of different races would mix. And you got to do whatever you want because you were all outlaws. And this is, you know, I think it's kind of utopian. Yeah, no, no. I mean, it sounds like it. So you're like completely liberated in that area. For I mean, those moments, yeah. As soon as you yeah. leave that rest stop bathroom, <laughs> yep. then all of a sudden it's like, okay, got back to back into the closet. It's, it's so weird, but just because even you know, at my age, when I was a kid, before I knew like my uncle was gay, my only uh, exposure to an openly gay man 
was fucking through reruns of Hollywood Squares watching Paul Lynn. <laughs> you know, be like, be like, wait, Paul Lynn was gay. <laughs> be like, set a square. When a man falls off a ship, you yell, "Man overboard!" When a woman falls off, you yell, "Full speed ahead!" You know, it's like what he, what he would. And that was my first exposure. I'd be like, "Okay, yeah, sure." You know, and you know, they're the guys who are so obvious they can't pass. Yeah. But the vast majority of, of people who practiced homosexuality at the era that we're talking about, uh, they were they were passing and they were they were not the people that they considered to be just, you know, really, really outrageous. They were guys in buttoned up suits and they were had respectable jobs and they were sucking dick whenever they had a chance, <laughs> which is a well, yeah, it's a wonderful thought. And you should probably take it with you when you go to your respectable job, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> well, it always kind of blew my mind uh, that the, the, the whole fact that like, you know, there are rest stop bathrooms, bookstores and all these secret areas where yeah. gay people go to hook up. Does that still happen now? Of course. In the age of the internet with Grindr? It happens much less than it used to. When it was the only place you could do that, it was really hopping. And I, I you know, older gay guys will tell me stories, really crazy things like having sex with state troopers in the basement bathroom of the state courthouse. <laughs> Stuff like that, you <laughs> know. You, you don't get any more... In the in your face than that, but yeah, your brother still does rest stops, right? Yeah, you know, I, I don't think he does as much in San Francisco, but I know mm. in uh, in Michigan, we grew up. My brother would just go to like rest stop bathrooms along the highway, yeah, and I would just hang out. And I always used to think he was joking around, but he wasn't. He was serious. There were, there were parks that they would that they would oh, hang yeah. out, but, yeah. but this is all like you know in the early nineties, like before you know before the internet. Well, indeed, and yeah. and and you know. One of the things that the book takes up as a subject is how a lot of this stuff is fading away. Uh, you know, a lot of things changed in the course of, of Straight to Hell's existence. One of them is commercial pornography became much more available. And so it was really unfortunate. F people, when they first started contributing to Straight to Hell, they... Um, it was it was like they were the first people to share these things. I, no, I didn't know anybody else did this, and I'm writing you my letter about my experiences. And and you know then commercial pornography came out and was much more available in dirty bookstores, and um, people started to imitate the form of pornography in their own personal fantasies. And this for Boyd was a bit disappointing because the raw stuff that's really authentic wasn't so easy to get anymore he would then send people these incredibly detailed questionnaires so that he could get every detail and, and that was a, partly a way of, of verifying that things were true and, well, yeah because I mean if it, it's it, it seems like if they're making up this story if, if they're going into like just graphic detail about each portion of the story how could they be making that up indeed and you know, he also it. he looked for things that were awkward things that were mistakes that really could couldn't happen in pornography and pornography well the kind of commercial pornography he's talking about everything's kind of perfect you know the the dumb stuff the 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 stuff that's boring it gets cut out or they do another take and in real life things don't always fit in as perfectly as you think they're gonna or maybe there's a fumbling or maybe you know something doesn't come off quite perfectly and not every single person you have sex with has a 10 inch dick either <laughs> exactly we on pornography they all do and you know the, the, one of the well, things that's the fantasy yeah and boyd was more interested in things that had uh, a kind of 
it had some telling details, some fumblings, and and that's when he realized that he was getting the real shit. He's into the amateur stuff, oh, like the reality. Yeah, absolutely. Says. So so tell me, uh, you know, what what was your favorite story or one of your favorite stories in Meat? Um, well, actually, it's from Come. My personal favorite of the volumes is Come. I'm loving is, the title. Yeah. I, I <laughs> what, can, what is Come? Is that another book? It's a volume of his stories. Yeah. Um, at a certain point, he stopped editing the the Straight to Hell zine. And he passed it to a man named Victor Weaver. That was about 1981. And he started publishing books that were anthologies of the best stories from his from his zine. And he also started publishing things that people wrote in that he didn't have room for in the zine. And actually, Come, Come is the first one that is composed entirely of stuff that had never been published before in Straight to Hell. But there were 13 volumes eventually between 1981 and 1993. And I can read you the titles. Wow. Meat, flesh, sex, cum, smut, juice, wads, cream, filth, skin, raunch, lewd, and scum. <laughs> there they are in a chronological order. And um, so anyway, my favorite story is from Cum. I read it recently in public at an art event and people were suitably appalled and, and kind of titillated. So that was fun. But I'll read you just the yeah, very... Give, give me an excerpt here. So give yeah, I'll read you the, the very end. And it's about... Uh, three black sailors gang banging a young guy in an adult movie booth in the South. In the booth was a beautiful sight. The boy, who was probably about 19 years old, was completely naked except for a pair of white crew socks, his legs up in the air against the sailor's shoulders. The sailor who had pushed me into the booth said, pull out Tyrone. This dude is going to clean the cum out of the kid's ass so he won't be such a sloppy fuck next time. He pushed me in between the kid's ass cheeks. The kid's ass smelled like cock and mainly that chemical ammoniac smell of cum. I licked around his hole and it was loosened up so much by getting laid that I could get my tongue well up inside. It was delicious to a cum hound like me. I got my tongue in there and lapped and slurped and had a ball. There you go. Yeah, I can see that being very well received at a literary event. It was fun. <laughs> well, you know, I got, I went after it was, it was a whole bunch of people reading. Oh, okay. So, and the, if you've ever seen Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, um, oh, yeah, yeah, Betty Davis, the, Betty Davis's yeah. character, I felt as though I was following Betty Davis in that movie. <laughs> it was very <laughs> maudlin, and she went over time, and people were just like twiddling their thumbs, thinking, Oh my god, how do I react to this? I get on stage, I tell this obscene story, and people laugh. <laughs> You know, it's like they, they, all the tension in the room was able to be released with that story because what what else can you do? No, exactly. You know, it's, uh, I, I could see that. I could see that being like a tension relief. You know. Yeah. No. Um, uh, you, I'm, I'm, cur I'm just curious. Do you, um, have you ever made a withdrawal from the uh, ATM? From the ATM. Yeah. Um, I guess I probably have at least once. Oh, you have? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Probably at least once. I have yet to, to do that. To do, yeah, well, and not many girls are into that. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. Like going, uh, you know, the, the, the whole ass to mouth thing. But yeah. I imagine it's probably uh, fetishizing the gay community. Uh, gay guys they, invented that, yeah. I yeah. think. <laughs> <laughs> and it is, it is pretty much, you know, like the entree course. Yeah, <laughs> it's, why it's not? It's just the beginning. So, it's, it's a part of every, every nutritious meal. Yeah. So um, was he ever sued for obscenity? Because I know, like uh, Al Goldstein had many problems, Larry Flynn had many problems. Was was uh, Straight to Hell, I guess, uh, popular enough for for people to? There were some problems. Um, 
the 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 publication transformed itself over the 20 years during the last 20 years of his lifetime at the very beginning there were lots of pictures of young boys in it and he also he was interested in swastikas like he he thought that straight people were fascists that straight america was fascist and so you know, in you know, he would he had a story called cocksucking in Vietnam, and this was during the Vietnam War. It was still yeah. going on, and he put a swastika like you know, this is America with a KKK. Wow. He was really hardcore about it. Now, as the I mean, it immediately caught on as a publication. It started off as just this total rant by some misanthrope, really. I mean, a guy who just put his heart and soul into this publication and he didn't know who would would read it. He had a, a suspicion though and he did actually a little something before Straight to Hell I should mention. He was interested in foreskin, okay? And hey, who isn't? You know? <laughs> well, in the US it's pretty exotic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but um he started a kind of newsletter and he advertised in dirty magazines and in the Advocate for for this newsletter for people who are foreskin fans, and it was called Skinheads. Skinheads, wow! Mm. This is now when I see skinheads, that's the first thing I'm gonna think. <laughs> I always I'm looking at those guys. You know, those dudes are probably obsessed with foreskins. Sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And they're that. obsessed with a lot of things, I'm sure. <laughs> but but so so he started he started Skinheads, and he noticed immediately that people were writing into him and pouring out their hearts. Like I had this experience and. He and he started getting letters that were not just about foreskin; they were about anything. He thought, "Oh, I've really got something here. I've got to start a publication." And it, so it immediately caught on, even though it was only distributed to like five dirty bookstores in New York City. And the public, you see the the um, circulation numbers in the issues, and they just leap like crazy. Uh, and the first publication, uh, first, first uh, circulation number they publish is a thousand, and then a few months later it's two thousand, and then four. At the height of its popularity in the early '80s, Straight to Hell was selling twenty thousand copies of those zines. Yeah, but where, where were these zines being sold? Like in game whereas, like now, I think Time Magazine would be lucky to sell twenty thousand copies, as yeah, far as publishing print, goes. Print these days, you know. Yeah. But I mean, were they selling them at like at like gay adult bookstores, or were they selling them at like news newsstands? Like where? Both, you, really. Oh, okay, but but so. but you know, there were a lot more places that sold that kind of publication at one time. There were a lot of dirty bookstores, smut peddlers, exactly, yeah, and and they all now. carried it. Also, he had a very healthy mail order clientele. I mean, there were people who were living in isolation who had no connection to what we would understand to be gay culture. And they would write into Boyd. They would find this publication somehow and they would be subscribers. And the subscribers were an interesting bunch. Um, um, I could imagine. <laughs> I mean, for instance. Subscribe to, to, to straight to hell. <laughs> well, I mean, get this. When Tennessee Williams died, among his possessions were found issues of straight to hell. And not only that, Robert Maplethorpe was a regular subscriber. Fancy that. You'd never think Maplethorpe would be in a straight to hell. Well, what's really wonderful is that Boyd noticed this. He paid enough attention that he knew Maplethorpe was becoming a famous photographer. So he solicited him. He said, I want to do an interview with you. And that's something I reproduce in its entirety in the book, that, that there's this great interview 
very early on in Maplethorpe's career oh, cool. where he talks about his sex life. It's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, weird. Yeah. Thinking, you know, William Burroughs was a fan, right? William, William Burroughs was a fan, and he sent one of his notorious questionnaires to Burroughs, and Burroughs filled it out. <laughs> and, and in one you of should the... publish that. <laughs> oh, I wish I could find it. Unfortunately, it was suppressed. Oh, okay, what yeah. happened was they promised it. They said, next issue, William S. Burroughs, Sex Life. And... James Grauerholtz, who at that point was managing Burroughs' career, thought this would have a negative impact on all of the speaking engagements he was doing, all uh, the bookings, on his income, on his image. And so he didn't <laughs> he didn't let it be published. He basically said, Well, we can publish you can publish it as long as you make these cuts, which are essentially the entire text. And to my knowledge, this text has been lost, but who knows yeah no I, I, i'm that's, surprised that's you can't so find bizarre. that on the internet it's, it's one thing to shoot your wife it's a whole nother thing to lick a man's asshole you know <laughs> so boyd mcdonald died uh what, in the early 90s right I think yeah I he died that. in 1993 um after victor weaver he passed the editorship to a man who's still running it billy miller uh, he just had a new issue, issue 68 of, of Straight to Hell. And oh, so it's still being published. It is still day. being published. And um, it's it's a very interesting thing that's happened because it's not really being sold at dirty bookstores anymore. There are hardly any left. The people who have really appropriated Straight to Hell are fashion people and art people. And so I'm doing an event in New York. Um, it's May 6th. And I'm going to do a conversation with Billy Miller at Printed Matter, which is the finest art bookstore in New York City. They have all the zines, they have all the obscure publications, and it's in Chelsea in the gallery district. And it's this very funny thing that's happened. All of this material, because partly because it has a very distinct visual flavor, but also because it, it really taps a nerve. There is something going on here that everyone can relate to. Oh, well, that's the thing. I mean, people are just attracted to the ultra. You know? Absolutely. And the the, the de deviant behavior, like, especially now. You know, one thing I, mean, I kind of miss about New York is, is actually Thursday nights in Chelsea. Because you go to the galleries and it's just free drinks. Yeah. If you're into yeah. it, right after work, you just yeah. go and you just you just drink for fucking free for like three hours. It's great. Yeah. And unfortunately, my event is not going to be Thursday night. Mm. It's going to be Friday night on May sixth. But seven o'clock on 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 May sixth. If anybody hears this and can go, please <laughs> come to my printed matter event with Billy Miller. We did it at the Los Angeles Art Book Fair at Mocha. Uh, last month, yeah, and it was really fun, uh, and it was so successful. We decided to repeat it, and and Billy's great because he tell he knew Boyd personally, and he can tell very personal stories about Boyd. And whereas I have the kind of historical background, I I've looked at all the documents. I know where he was. Well, researched his life. Yeah. I researched his life. I and, and the the real breakthrough with the book that none of his friends suspected. I found his family. I was able to get in touch with his nieces. And he had one niece who was fairly conservative, who liked one of the gay brothers in the family. They, she was like the special niece for him. And, and he was like an antiques dealer on the Upper East Side. He was totally respectable. And then there was Boyd, who was just this crazy, dirty old man. And I found the niece who really was close to him. And she gave me a really wonderful interview about how he was a loving uncle 
And there's this whole aspect of him that nobody who reads the magazine could even yeah, suspect. Even... <laughs> but he was he doted on these little girls and would bring them candy. And he was a very, very kind uncle in a family where the parents were really kind of checked out. So he really kind of raised these little girls in some sense and was a great formative influence on them. I wonder how aware his family was of his uh, work. Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> I and can imagine it, it, he kept that a secret. He even says it in one interview. He says, you know, people ask me, how can you do this? And he, I always answer, because my mother died. <laughs> she died right, right after he, she, he graduated from college. And so he was free to publish incredible filth. But they hadn't a clue about it. And unfortunately... The, the niece who really didn't understand and his sister came to his apartment after his death and they threw all his stuff out. So I was able to get some archival material, but the really intimate stuff, I'm afraid, is lost forever. Lost forever. Oh, wow. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to reading the book. True Homosexual Experiences, Boyd McDonald's Straight to Hell comes out next month. It does indeed. April 2016. Available on Amazon, all the uh, regular outlets. Amazon and Amazon UK. It's also available at many local bookstores, like in this neighborhood, uh, Skylight Books, where I'll be doing a, a reading, and uh, City Light Books in San Francisco. I should have put a plug in for them. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Tell your brother I'm doing a reading at City Lights I'm, Books. I'm going to have to mention this to my brother for sure. Um, and do you have a website that I can uh, plug? Or Yeah, the publisher of the book is We Heard You Like Books, that venerable institution <laughs> of Los Angeles publishing. So you can go to the We Heard You Like Books website and find a page about the book. I have my personal website, which is williamejones.com. And uh, just look me up on the internet. I'm all over Google. Yeah, <laughs> you can see the you can see what I look like. <laughs> well, William, thanks for thanks for being on the show. Well, thank you for having yeah. me. Uh, people, it's episode five twenty four here. Sick and wrong. We have news coming up and phone calls coming up. Before we get to that, here's a word from our sponsor, Adam and Eve. Hey, kids, do you like sex toys? Yeah. Then go to adamandeve.com and make a purchase using coupon code Diddle. You'll get fifty percent off your first item. Three free adult DVDs, free shipping, and a gift so sensual I can't even mention it on this podcast about murder and bukkake. Support Sick and Wrong by supporting our sponsor, adamandeve.com, and making a purchase with coupon code DIDDLE. That's DIDDLE, D-I-D-D-L-E, like your uncle used to do to you. So Harrison, we got a few news stories to get to. Um... Well, probably the biggest topic in the news this week, the jury awarded Hulk Hogan $115 million in that Gawker sex tape lawsuit. Goodbye, Gawker. That is insane. Yeah, I wonder... Nick Denton, you, we hardly knew ye. Do you think Gawker can withstand this? Do you think Gawker is going to be able to pay $150 million to Hulk Hogan? Does Condé Nast own Gawker? You know, that no, uh, it, there is a... Uh, they have a partner. Right. But, it's, but yeah, I don't think they have like a Condé Nast or Hearst... You know, backing them. Yeah, that's a big fucking payment. I don't know. Yeah, so uh, a Florida jury sided with Hulk Hogan in the lawsuit the for pro former professional wrestler filed against Gawker Media. Um, they awarded him $115 million, but he was only asking for $100 million. <laughs> $100 million. They gave him 15 You know, I bet you that jury was comprised of Hulkamaniacs. <laughs> <laughs> the lawyer's like, okay, who was your favorite wrestler back in the day? Yeah. Um, I, for one, don't even want to think about Hulk Hogan having sex. Didn't you I watch the tape? I did watch the tape, yeah. yes. Um, I wasn't masturbating. I watched the tape. I'm coming in your butt! <laughs> um, we have William. William, were you ever sexually attracted to any pro wrestlers? 
Yeah, there was a guy named Hector Barza who I thought was totally hot. I don't know that guy. Which guy was this? I have no idea if he had a career. I just turned on the TV and I saw my idea of heaven. Beautiful thighs. Amazing man. I mean, like, you know, probably Mexican amazing but yeah I, other than that kind of experience of like turning on the tv and seeing heaven uh, I, I didn't follow wrestling yeah i was never a big <laughs> fan either but uh but hey you know i mean if they make sex tapes you gotta watch that yeah uh so hulk hogan's real name's terry balia he sued gawker in 2012 after the media outlet published an excerpt of a video showing him having sex with the wife of his then best friend bubba the love sponge oh yes you know that guy is a shock jock out of florida uh, apparently the sex was consensual, although um, H- Hogan didn't know he was being filmed. Ah. And so Gawker purchased the clip and they published it thinking it was newsworthy and protected by the First Amendment. But uh, it, it, the, the, the thing is with Don't me, they have lawyers? Gawker? Like, what, yeah. Well, yeah, you know, and that, that's what you, they were saying is they were fighting it because they, they claimed that uh, Hulk Hogan's a public figure and this wasn't Terry Bollea having sex. This yeah. was Hogan having sex. Because have you ever had to deal with a legal, like when you work at a company, you know, and you have to deal with like legal, the legal department, they don't let you fucking do anything. It, it just blows my mind that they have a legal department that's like, oh yeah, sure, whatever. I, I just, I you know, I think... Honestly, this is probably a decision at the uh, Denton level. Like this ah, is like, yeah, yeah, like this was a top mm. level decision because they're like, think how much money we're gonna make. This is a scoop. This is huge. They're gonna make money from advertising revenue. People that are just mm. gonna be like flocking the site to see this. It's mm. gonna be, it's gonna go viral because it's Hulk Hogan. You know, I, d- I definitely think there's some greed involved here. But the, well, I guess the reason why there's some Schadenfreude on my part. I do like Gawker. Yeah, I like Gawker. I like all their sites actually. Gawker, Jezebel. Um, io9, Kotaku, those are great sites. But the reason they're shot in Freud on my part is they is a hypocrisy. Right. Like a month before they published this this tape of uh, Hogan, they were condemning people for uh, viewing pics of Jennifer Lawrence and uh, Kate Upton naked during, during the fappening. Yeah, I remember the fappening. You remember this? And they're yeah. just like, you're an evil person <laughs> if you fapped right. any of these pictures. Delete right. them now. Right. And then I read that after I already had, and then I felt bad about myself. Which, you know, I, I already bad. feel bad enough about myself. I don't need, you know. I did not feel bad. And then, mm. but, but a month later, after they condemn all these people yeah. for looking at pictures of Jennifer Lawrence, then they're like, oh, check out Hulk Hogan's dick. Ha, ha, mm. ha. And like, you know, celebrating this. Yeah. So it's, it's the hypocrisy. This is that, a great that, one that where she's me. like, she's like wearing a, like a swimsuit with like these ankle boots. And she's like standing in front of the mirror. Who, Kate Upton? No, uh, uh, Jennifer oh, Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, lo- I love how you've, he's mentally committed these images. Yeah, like yeah. They're in the spank bank. It doesn't matter if you deleted them. Yeah. Um, so in uh, closing ar- arguments here, uh, Hulk Hogan's attorney, Kenneth Turkle, he told the jury that Gawker's editors didn't have the common decency to at least call his client before publishing the piece. <laughs> Uh, I think the the piece might not have been uh, been published then. He mm. accused Denton of playing God over Hogan's right to privacy. So you know, they, I think he poured it on a little thick there. Yeah. But uh, but hey, you know, so so they're claiming that uh, they're claiming that they're going to uh, revisit this case in appellate court. So uh, who knows? Hmm. You know, they, they Gawker feels that they they have a good chance of winning the case in appeals court. So they, I don't think they plan to pay Hogan one hundred fifty million dollars. Although. What is Hulk Hogan doing these days? You know? I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what he does. I, I mean, I, I think this, this $100 million mm. is his retirement yeah. fund. 
Yeah, he's planning on living off that money for a while. Oh, for yeah. sure, yeah. I mean, I've always said you don't want to mess with a guy that has a mania named after him, you know? <laughs> it's just not a good idea. You know, they uh, published transcripts of the tape of uh, all the dialogue that occurred. Right. And it's like, yeah, and it, I, I just kept picturing like Hulk Hogan's voice saying like, I'm going to fucking come. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I just uh, I don't even want to think about that. Hulk so Bubba the Love Sponge, he's just like, lets people fuck his wife and then films it. And that's their, the whole... It's like a cuckold I, I, I scene, think, right? Yeah, I think he's, okay. he gets off on it. But, I mean, Hogan didn't know he was being filmed. Okay. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know what? The, my favorite thing that, uh, that uh, Hulk Hogan said, so when he was testifying, you know, he was wearing like a black bandana yeah. and like a muscle shirt and <laughs> like a cross or crucifix. Yeah, he looks like he's like going to a biker funeral or some shit. So he says, when the sex tape hit, my whole world turned upside down. I'm kind of concerned about Hulk Hogan's privacy. The Hulkster's oh. privacy, but you kind of give it away. But in the privacy of your own home, no one invades my privacy. It's like, can the guy just speak normal? Like, he's got to <laughs> always, like, be a wrestler. It's like, yeah. But I, I think it's funny. He's got, like, a split personality. You know, there's, like, the Hulk Hogan, there's Terry Belia, and then there's the uh, the Hulkster. Yeah. So hmm, It's a little bit know. like the period when, wasn't it Jordan? No, it was Bob Dole. He was constantly talking about himself in the Bob third oh, yeah. person. Bob Dole doesn't yeah. do this. <laughs> Bob Dole only uses Viagra on Thursdays. I, used to have a, I, I remember Bob in Dole. college, I wrote a, I wrote a whole the thesis for something about if Bob Dole dropped that pen, the arm would kill. Like I said, like, I, you know how he always held that, that pen? Right. Because like, or else his hand would be I thought it was up, possessed right? by a demon okay, yeah. I don't know <laughs> it was a theory um, speaking of demons here do you hear about the uh, the driver in uh, Kalamazoo who worked for Uber that went on the shooting spree yes he was possessed he, by he the claimed app him, he yeah. claimed that the app told him to go on the killing spree he was possessed uh, Uber driver Jason Dalton blamed the ride sharing app for telling him to go on the, uh, the February 20th shooting spree that killed six victims uh, he said that um the app took control of his mind and his body, and it incited the carnage by a symbol that uh, resembled the Eastern Star. He said, as soon as he saw that symbol, that's when the problem started. Hmm. They got to stop hiring schizophrenics. Yeah. They do not make good Uber drivers. You know? He said, uh, he described the devil figure in the symbol as a horned cow head. Or something like that. Okay. And when it would give you an assignment, it would just literally take over my whole body. So apparently Satan is the dispatcher for Uber. And uh, <laughs> Satan's just like, you need to kill. Um, and we know now why they changed their logo recently. Yeah. <laughs> that, that must be why. They're like, uh, it's a little too satanic. You know, let's go for something uh, that Crowley didn't create, something yeah. else. Yeah, it looks completely different. It looks more like, I don't know. I haven't know, seen or, the Uber. Oh, it Maybe. looks like a little record on a, on a turntable. It doesn't look like devil horns anymore. Huh. Did it, did, you know, I have to look at that. Well, you know, I'll post that to the site, the two different logos. And see if it's because Lyft, you know, Lyft's just got the pink mustache. Yeah, yeah. Which, uh, you know, I don't think that has a, any satanic implications. Might have some Boyd McDonald implications. <laughs> <laughs> I, but, uh, I, I have to tell you, and this is a just really a parenthesis around this. Uh, I only take Lyft. I only take Lyft. As they, well. they 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 pay their drivers better, and the whole mm. experience is more pleasant. But a friend of mine who drives Uber was out to dinner with me, and there was another friend along who was a former dominatrix and who was, you know, quite free with her sexuality. And she said, hey, you're an Uber driver. Do they have sex all the time in the car? And my friend admitted, well, yeah, actually I do. <laughs> Whoa. When I drive Lyft, I never have sex. But in Uber, I'm constantly getting my dick sucked. 
Whoa. Huh. What, what is, is he a straight guy? Oh, no. He, he's a gay guy. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> see, gay guys, it's a whole other level of sexuality. You can get, you can get laid on the bus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. I have a friend who, who told me he was just minding his own business on the bus. And all of a sudden... <laughs> a penis appeared on his shoulder, just <laughs> draped over his shoulder. And, and at that point, it's like, I had a crisis. What do you do in a case like that? I mean, do you acknowledge it? Do you look at it? Do you swat it off? Yeah. Or, do you, or do you caress it? What do you do with a penis on your shoulder I, on I a public bus? Yeah, I don't know. It's like you get some bear spray or something. <laughs> I don't even know what you would do. It was wow. obviously a penis, a penis large enough to do that kind to of maneuver. drape over his shoulder, yeah. And for him, it was an attractive proposition, but he was on a bus in public. God, what a, yeah, what a way to pick up a guy. Just, just <laughs> your, your dick over his shoulder. Yeah, yeah and then, you know, now Uber. Yeah, but yeah. I didn't know Uber. I didn't think it was that, uh, you're that sexually active on the Uber, dri- the Uber driver. Well, for this driver, it is. Wow. I tend to prefer Lyft just because... Like the people are tend to be weirder and more interesting on Lyft. Yeah, you get the impression with Lyft, like a lot of the people just do it because they're like lonely or something. Like every ride is like a new verse to fucking Eleanor Rigby. I take somehow, you know what I mean? Oh, I, I, I had a Lyft. I had a Lyft ride once that was amazing. I got into this guy's car and there was this really loud music playing, and I was about to tell him to turn it off, and then I listened to it a little longer, and it turns out he was Ethiopian. And he was listening to Ethiopian jazz from the 70s. And so for the entire length of the ride, he gave me a capsule history of jazz in Ethiopia before the revolution. Huh. And it's like, wow, I could not pay for such a lesson. <laughs> yeah, this you wouldn't was awesome. that elsewhere. It was great. You might get your dick sucked on Uber, but on Lyft, at least you'll learn something. Yeah, you get some edification. Yeah, edification comes from Lyft. So uh, Dalton also told police that the Uber app made him put on a bulletproof vest. He said he purchased the vest for his son, who's a Cub Scout with the county, but uh, and he had it in his car, so as soon as he got the devil horns, he just put the vest on. You know, it's interesting that his son would need a bulletproof vest to be a Cub Scout. I only thought that uh, scouts in like the south side of Chicago yeah. or South Central might need that, but uh, hey, who knows? Who knows what the Cub Scouts are doing these days? Um, Dalton will undergo a psychiatric evaluation to determine if he can stand trial, but if he's uh, determined competent to stand trial, he won't be eligible for the death penalty because Michigan does not have it. Ah. So, who knows? Yeah, I mean, sounds sounds pretty nutty to me. Yeah. Not as nutty as the, the, you know, the guy who the alien Martians jerked him off into shooting the pastor, but, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Last week. That that was last week. Yeah. I already forgot about that story. Someone got a handy and, and went murderer? What? Yeah, a bunch of old men who were secretly uh, reptilian Martians were jerking him off in his Safeway. And, and <laughs> I, I love that know, part already. Yeah, <laughs> playing with his asshole and balls and just fucking with him. And uh, it made him go crazy. <laughs> so what, what do you have here? You here have we a, go. A story about a, uh, about a love, a love romance. Yes. Uh, the, the title's called A Sex Act to De-Stress Aquarium Dolphins is Abuse, Activist Says. And this story was sent in by Alex, who says... I bet Harrison wishes he could jack off a dolphin with his feather. (laughs) (laughs) You don't actually jack people off with a feather, do you? I'm sure some people do. Is a feather used to... Once you put the feather in the water, though, I don't think you can really do anything with it. Yeah, that's true. It's, yeah. it's going to be, you'd have to yeah, put it in plastic or something. It defeats yeah. the purpose. Well, that's a mighty sensitive trigger you got there if you can get off with a feather. <laughs> So, 
The aquarium and prosecutors say nothing illegal is going on. An aquarium in the Netherlands that's de-stressing dolphins by masturbating them isn't breaking any laws. De-stressing. Is that what they call yeah. it now? A Rambam employee. What a, Rambam, I guess, is the fucking aquarium. I don't know. Who went undercover at the facility. Oh, never mind. Alleged that the facility's 14 show dolphins, which perform tricks, are kept in enclosures that are too small. Blah, blah, blah. They're being hurt. But... The moment getting the most media attention is the scene in which a trainer uses his hand to sexually stimulate a dolphin before giving the animal some fish. You know, um, a while, that was a couple of years ago, when I interviewed the guy, Malcolm Brenner, who wrote The Wet Goddess, he had a sexual relationship with a dolphin named Ruby for a year. He yeah. was describing the genitalia of, the, of this dolphin. He said the, the female dolphins have a vagina that looks very similar to a human. Okay. A human female. So I'm wondering if a male dolphin, if the penis looks anything like a human penis. I, I don't know. Have you ever seen a dolphin's penis? <sighs> I, one time I William? saw a video. <laughs> I, I'm afraid my, my expertise does not cross the species line. Oh, okay. So it stops at the species line. Yeah. And when I've been at the zoo, I mean, you, you see monkeys masturbating at the zoo from time to time. Sometimes their penises look like golf tees. <laughs> So I would not extrapolate how a dolphin's penis looked. Yeah, I just didn't think I you saw could a video of a guy sucking a dolphin's dick once online. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you just you just happened to find that. I guarantee he's downloaded that video. I didn't know. Okay. Actually, a, 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 a suicidal woman showed it to me. Hmm. And he was actually he was sucking, sucking the dolphin's, a dolphin's dick. dick. Did it look like a dick? Um, no, it looked like, cause you ever see like, uh, uh, you know how the inner museum, sometimes they have like a, like it's a whale dick and, but it's like yeah, hanging it just, from the ceiling. It's like, it's, uh, what do they call it? Like a bacula or something, or something like that? Yes. A Scott bacula. That, no, it's it. a baculum <laughs> or something like that. I forget what it's yeah. called, but it doesn't look like a dick. Mm. You know, that's why I wonder like if you could just jack off a dolphin or you have to ah, a special Scott, grip. Scott bacula. Um, <laughs> all right. No. Um, anyway, I saw it. Yeah. It looked weird. But like animal dicks look weird, right? But I'm just saying, can you jack it off like you normally jack off? Or do you have to use like a special grip? (laughs) (laughs) Like like those things that that pencil grips so they don't slip out of your hands? The Dolphinarium told the Netherland Times, the masturbation is meant to de-stress the animals and the ejaculate is used for a breeding program. Leone Vestering, an animal rights advocate who saw the Rambam report, was not impressed by the park's explanation. She filed a criminal complaint against the Dolphinarium on grounds of lechery and for violating the five freedoms of Brambell, a code dictating basic rights of animals. Okay, yeah. well, I could imagine this the five freedoms violation of, of could animal be, rights. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The sexual act with the dolphin is performed in the context of training the dolphin for the release of sperm. As part of a breed, I heard that dolphins get kind of rapey. Like yeah. if you, you know, if you Wait, fuck with them like that, and then eventually they just start like yeah. expect it from humans, and they'll just go after you. That's what they they will recognize you as a sexual object, which is what the the guy in the wet goddess said. Is initially he said the dolphin was exhibiting sexual behavior by rubbing itself on him, yeah. and so then after <laughs> he he started you know pleasuring it. Yeah. It was, as soon as it would see him, even walking around its tank, it would start freaking out and huh. trying to go, and it would, it would see him. And so one time he brought a girl, a human girl that he was actually dating, uh, to, see, to see the dolphin. And she went in the water, <laughs> and the dolphin tried to attack her oh my. and knock her underwater. Yeah, they get jealous. So the, these dolphins, you know, they get rapey. Hmm. They're, a rape, they're a rapey bunch. 
All right. Well, there you go. Um, <laughs> I am nonplussed by that. I'm so happy I'm a guest. I would not believe it hearing it anywhere else. Yeah, so they, yeah. they, they claim it was um, part of a breeding program. But, uh, quote we, unquote de-stressor yeah. but Vestering says there is absolutely no way that the genital touching can be part of an artificial insemination program the fluids are not collected and are lost in the water that sounds like a very unsuccessful breeding program then you know yeah I mean that, that's gone. the thing aren't you keeping yeah. the sperm to right. breed more dolphins trying to do tricks with sexually frustrated and aggressive animals is not possible and therefore I believe the trainer tries to lower the sexual tension in the group you know, I I I read when I was reading this story, it said that uh, if he starts jacking off one dolphin, all the other dolphins will get jealous and want to get jacked off too. That's what she says. Yeah, uh, she says. <laughs> you can't wow. just jack off one. You got to no. jack. It's got to be a circle jerk of dolphins. It sounds like boarding school. <laughs> <laughs> the other dolphins can see that one dolphin has sex with the trainer and gets fed. Now the other 13 dolphins wants the same. This only contributes to the tension and aggression in the group. Also, there is this unnatural sexual relationship between trainer and dolphin. So the dolphin thinks about sex when he sees the trainer. Which is, yeah, with the Malcolm Brenner thing. I would be very nervous if I was, you know, that guy walking by the tank with a bunch of dolphins in there. Because they're just looking at you thinking of one thing. Yeah. My God. Yeah, it's like... uh, it's like Comic-Con or something. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Wow. So, uh, so, so, so they, they're claiming that, that, that no, no, there's no harm, no foul. There's no, no charges being. Yes. Although they here. did not officially respond for comment. Um, hmm. But uh, the park did post a statement that said the interplay between man and dolphin in all respects fits well within all statutory schemes. The dolphinarium must comply with. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I wonder if he does this. You know how, like, when you go to SeaWorld, you sit there and you see the whole show? Is this part of the show or is this done before the show? Because I don't want to see a dolphin. I want my children to see a dolphin being jacked up. I don't think it's part of the show. All right, that's good. Yeah. That's a good thing. You know, uh, I should send that story Mm -hmm. to the guy that wrote that What Goddess and he could see if they're hiring (laughs) (laughs) because it might work out, you know? Um, Last story here. Uh, Have you guys seen the show Catfish? I have not. Have you seen Catfish? You ever seen that? No, I haven't. Are you familiar with the term? I am indeed. Yeah, so there's an MTV show, uh, which is uh, produced and, and stars a guy who actually did a documentary called Catfish. Essentially, it's it's when somebody's speaking to someone online and this person is misrepresenting themselves as like an attractive person, they actually come meet the person. They find out it's like a 600-pound you know, black woman or something. Well, and like, there's the other aspect of it. If you want to find out if your spouse is cheating on you, you can pose as a potential as sexual a pot- partner. Yeah. Right. And, and catfish them. Excellent. Yeah. Absolutely. What's yeah. great about this show, though, is, is they go and they, so they get a bunch of emails and they, they pick one case of a catfish. And usually it's the, the person on the other end who's like, you know, I haven't met this person. I've been talking to them for six years. We've never video chatted. We've never <sighs> met in the flesh. I've only seen pictures. I want to know if this person's real or not. And then they evaluate the situation. They're like, okay, let's do this. So they'll fly to the hometown of the, the, the person who emailed them and they'll interview her or him. And then they'll go and, and do like some Facebook sleuthing and internet sleuthing to find out if this person's a catfish or not. And it, it's bizarre sometimes. Some of the results, I mean, it'll be, I, I saw one where it's like this one girl was catfishing a guy and she was like 500 pounds. It turned out the guy 
was catfishing her and he was like 500 pounds. So it was just like hippo heaven there. They both met each other and they <laughs> fell in love. But then I, you know, then there's others where it's like this one guy, this uh, young African-American guy was, um, he thought he was in love with this girl, left his wife his, or his baby mama and left, left his children to go be with this girl. Found out that uh, she didn't even exist. It was a guy. Who was huh. catfishing him? Two years sexual relationship. He was like getting how pictures of his. A... I, I don't know how this okay. works. All right. And notice none of the people that are ever subjects of these stories are ever in like California or New York. They're yeah. always like in the South or uh, or Kansas or Missouri or something. And we must remember, denial is not just a river in Africa. That is that is true. Mm-hmm. Um, but this this story here is probably the worst catfish of all time. The worst catfish of all time. And that's not an understatement. Uh, this comes in from Monica. She goes, have you ever seen that show Catfish? Um, yeah, this is probably the worst catfish of all time. Father posed as a teenage boy on Instagram to lure his own daughter into sending nude photos. This is the worst. It's a hideous case. Uh, this happened in New York. A 41-year-old man, upstate New York. A 41-year-old man pled guilty on child pornography charges. The victim was his 14-year-old daughter. He poses as a teenage boy to coerce and bully her into sending naked pictures, and he then sexually abusing her after faking the suicide of the internet boyfriend. This is a long, Jesus complicated, uh, well-orchestrated catfish. Actually, if you think yeah. about it, you know this. Usually, the you know the catfish is a couple different uh, email messages on Facebook or something. Like this guy put some forethought into it. Um, Court documents show that the man created a fake Instagram account in October 2013. Soon after, he began messaging his daughter, claiming to be 15 years old and living near the Canadian border. He said that she had a hot body and asked if she had a boyfriend. And then he began demanding that she send nude images. Huh. I'm so glad I didn't have to deal with uh, my parents on social media. Yeah. You know, it's, and I'm barely on social media now, but but like now if you have a Facebook account, there's a good chance your mom has a Facebook account and your aunt and you got to like everything you post, they comment on and they see. Every day, my goddamn mother invites me to play fucking Candy Crush. (laughs) See, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. And you are psychologically scarred. (laughs) I'm just, you know, I I mean, this chick thinks she has it bad, you know, come on. Uh, by November, the girl was trying to break up with this internet boyfriend, uh, her father. Uh, he demanded more <laughs> nude photos by threatening to send himself, her father, screenshots of their explicit text conversations. So he was using himself to extort her to get even more naked pictures. She complied, she sent photos, and then she kept asking him, can we please be done? Um, after the girl and her quote-unquote boyfriend broke up, he transmitted the images of the daughter from his computer to his cell phone. And then he posed for good, for good measure, basically, or as closure here, poses the boy's mother telling his daughter that her boyfriend had died by suicide. So the girl is like, okay, I guess it's officially done. And uh, he, he claimed to be the mother. Um, soon after that, though, the father told the girl that the boyfriend had actually sent him these photos. So he had all these photos on his phone, which he had downloaded here. Um, and then he referred, the, referred to them and how much he liked them. And then he began abusing the girl because he was extorting her with these photos. So then he began having actual uh, sex with his own daughter. Um, the scheme unfolded after uh, she reported to a school nurse that she was being abused. And then, uh, and the worst part about it, I mean, I wonder if she actually believed that the boy died, you know, because he said it was suicide. Right. So she found out during the court proceedings that her father was catfishing her. Like I knew she knew. Oh, she, she was, didn't she even was, know. She probably the, did Jesus until they Christ. went to court. Yeah, it's the worst kind of catfish. Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. 
Um, so he faces up to 250 years in prison on federal charges alone. Uh, I guess he cried in court and he said, I'm giving away the best years of my life. Um, okay, <laughs> you selfish fuck. Yeah. The um, best years of your life raping your daughter. Exactly. He's giving that away. Um, according to other news sources here, uh, he'll be sharing a cell with Jared Fogle. Oh, yeah. yeah. So that'll be best of friends. Mm. <laughs> Subway guy, you hear about that guy? I'm afraid not. Yeah, the uh, you, how could you miss this? The guy, guy with the big jeans, remember him? He had these giant spokesperson for Subway, spokesperson for Fogel. Subway, the restaurant. Oh, yeah. okay. Oh, yeah. Subway, the restaurant. Yeah, yeah. What what happened with him? Uh, he was busting on child porn. Yeah, yeah. for years. <sighs> yeah, busting with child porn. Um, young people just need to stop sending nude pics. Yeah. When someone, on, a stranger on social media, asks you for na- nude pictures, just don't do it. And everybody needs to be informed about the block. Like yeah. You can block you these can block users. People. As mm. soon as you get a request for naked pics, just block them. That's right. all you got to do. It doesn't have to be a breakup. It's not like you've <laughs> met this person in reality and kissed them. You no. don't have to fake suicide here. Just block. Block. That's all you got to do. Uh, people, send your story. Podcast at hotmail.com. We have phone calls to get to. 206-666-3846 is that number. Before we get to that, here's another word from our beloved sponsor. Hey, guys. It's me, Stephen. I'm a huge fan of your show. Thanks to your awesome coupon code, Diddle, I can buy myself loads of good sex toys. Since both of my wives died, and my Lugaric's disease got pretty bad. Let's just say things in the bedroom got pretty boring. But thanks to adamandeve.com and coupon code DIDDLE, D-I-D-D-L-E. I am now a new man. Thanks. So we got some phone calls to get to. 206-666-3846 is that number. Um... You know, we, we got a call from uh, the retarded Scoutmaster. I love haven't heard him. from him in a while. I know. I, have, I miss him. Yeah, I know. I miss that guy. This, yeah. guy, this guy's great. Uh, he calls in with these... I guess he... I don't think he's retarded, but he was a Scoutmaster at a camp for the retarded. Mm. And so he has this, these, these great stories. Yep. So uh, let's see what he has to say. Let's hear him. Hey, D. Hey, Harrison. It's the uh, retarded Scoutmaster guy again. Um just calling to uh, leave another funny story. Um, I don't know how well the quality of this call is going to be because I got what is he doing? I don't know. Stupid stuff that I'm doing with my phone right now. But okay. <clears throat> sure. So I was at a meeting and I just became the assistant scoutmaster, which is like a secondary scoutmaster, but they don't have like a whole bunch of training and responsibility and stuff. But they we have this new scout, and uh, he's, like, kind of not right. <laughs> Go figure <laughs> at this camp. And uh, so the scoutmaster's son is kind of a bully, and, well, some of the kids really like him. So they ask about him when he's not there, and I don't know what the fuck was going on with this kid, but he came up to me, and he's like, hey, where's that guy? Is he off going and doing some bukkake? <laughs> And, uh, I don't think he knows what the fuck that meant. He probably, like, heard it somewhere. Maybe he listened to a fucking podcast. 
<laughs> I don't know. He's in the same sentence as murder, so it's like kind of <laughs> fucked up. But I thought I might leave that here <sighs> and uh, let you guys loll your asses off. And, uh, you know. Yeah, so he used murder and bukkake in the same sentence, and he's probably about 11 or 12. Just thought I'd leave that here. Keep it sick, keep it wrong. And Harrison, you're an honorary Jew. Congratulations. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I, I didn't quite I mean, I was already made one by the uh, by the tenets of the shoot stuffle. You know, <laughs> technically, I'm you know I qualify for death. So um, that's my standard. Was your mother Jewish? Which one? Your biological mother. No. Okay. Fine. By the law. You know what? Fucking the shoot stuff all trumps a bunch of rabbis because the fucking SS, they'll kill you. A bunch of rabbis, what are they going to do? Make you feel bad about fucking, you yeah, know? Okay, I guess in Hitler, yeah. in Nazi Germany, yeah. in Hitler's eyes, they would yeah, kill you. You would have been killed. Yeah. Just by guilt by association. Your grandfather could have been Jewish. But, that, but I imagine like the Jews would have been like, he didn't even come out of a Jewish vagina. Yeah. You, know? you all go to the same place. Revoke your you membership know, card. Up in the goddamn air. You know, I didn't so. under, quite understand the purpose of that narrative. Like, where was he? So this kid. <sighs> I, that was like had, when did his, he say murder I didn't I didn't hear yeah. the murder either he just came up and asked him something about Bukanki. yeah it wasn't as good as the one with the palm pilot no the that, was, who, that was way better wore all the different outfits under his clothes yeah with, yeah. The, with the palm pilot <laughs> but hey you know what I'll take any scout I will too yeah retarded scout master story I can get yeah um, but yeah I mean it's you don't often hear Bukaki and murder in the same sentence no usually the two don't go hand in hand but hey don't we have an ad that says that or something Maybe, oh, maybe that. Oh, yeah, yeah, we do. One of our Adam and Eve One of our ads. Adam and Eve ads yeah. say Bukaki and murder. Yeah. So that must be why he was calling. Okay. All right. It all makes sense now. Yeah. William's just like, what? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're interested in the Bukaki part. Yeah. I, I thought I might have something to add about Japanese cinema, but I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> is Bukaki uh, also a gay thing? Like, a, like is there, because you know how like Bukaki videos usually is Japanese, it's a woman you know, surrounded by Japanese men. Is it also a, a big genre of porn in the gay community? Um, I haven't really explored that kind of porn, and so I'm, I'm not really sure, but I think that any, any seminal fluid anywhere <laughs> is fair game at this point. I, I could see, that's a, yeah, that, that's, yeah. A, I mean, that's the, a fair the, enough assumption. The expression that people usually use is facials, you know, yeah. like, you know, I mean, there are slightly different terms in the gay community, if you want to call it that. Um, for facialing or just for, 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 for all sorts of sexual things, you know. Um, well, you know, some, I mean, this is a little off the subject, but perhaps it will be of, of interest to you. You know, after you've been a fisting bottom for a number of years, the, the asshole gets really distended and swollen. And a friend of mine came up with an ingenious term for this. And normally it's called a rosebud, which is... Yeah. <laughs> oh, isn't that the prolapse rectum? Is the yeah, rosebud? it's the pr yeah. prolapse rectum. But my friend calls it a bunt cake. <laughs> and, and he was, he was, he kept, e at a certain point, he was emailing me all these JPEGs of iced bunt cakes. So they looked like these distended assholes that had been rimmed with semen. Ah, yeah. Wow. That's, that's appetizing. Huh. Have you ever, you've heard ter the term pink sock, 
No. Oh, oh yeah, that's so uh, a mutual friend of uh, Harrison and my uh, Lenora. She used to work for Frontiers magazine, and she would, um, I guess, review porn. And they thought it was so funny because she's a female. They were like, "We're gonna give her all the pink sock porn." And so it's like all this like prolapse rectum porn where like the you know the guys would shoot you know extend his anus, and it was called pink sock and. She would have to write about all these pink sock porn. You know, out of I the, feel so naive. Yeah. I mean, the bukake thing, I failed you, and now pink sock. And all I can come up with is a stupid story about bunt cake. <laughs> hey, you know, they're synonyms. They're synonyms. So, you know, but it's a bunt cake to one person, it's a pink sock to another. Yeah. Well, you I know? mean, out of the, what, 24, 25 shows I've co hosted so far, I'm trying to think of how many of them we prolapsed rectums came up oh yeah it's a very Probably common like half of here. them i think yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a very common subject so i'm sitting in with yeah. your aesthetic this, this evening this, this totally works tonight yeah. seamless uh the uh, next call we got here is from uh, harrison's life coach okay great hey harrison it's your life coach again um oh this is the guy from like chicago remember he, who's like well, advice to me was to oh, eat sausage yeah, at Bob yeah, Evans yeah. or some shit. Yeah, <laughs> th- th- this guy this guy called in and he was mm. saying, you know, you talk about being depressed all the time. Like, yeah. go to Bob Evans, eat some sausage, you'll feel better about yourself. Yeah. That's... And so I think I called him Harrison's life coach. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I heard you talking about wanting to get into a fight because you haven't been in one in a while. Um, Got to recommend against it. You're too old these days. <laughs> and that's not what you do. However... If, uh, again, I don't recommend it, but if you must, the KKK is a good target to get in a fight with. So if that's what you're asked to do, you can do that. However, they will stab you, though. Another, however, is takes something else other than the feather. (laughs) The feather is not a good weapon to get yourself hurt. Where's the, are you going to recommend some bratwurst? And, uh. You'll turn your life around. Mm. Wow! So there's some some, yeah. some pro tips here. You, yeah. yeah, you don't want to bring your feather to a fight. You're I would right. bring like a baton no, he's right. or he's nunchucks or something. Right. Yeah, yeah you'll, you know, it's not that's not going to be intimidating. No, yeah, no. It's, 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 it's you keep that feather at home. Yeah, you know he was the talk- feather is not your invention. You did not bring this up into the conversation at all. No. Someone brought it to the conversation. Yes, the feather. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. It's like oh. his sex feather. Yeah, I think it's an ostrich feather, actually. It ch- sometimes it's a raven feather. <laughs> sometimes it's a cockatoo it depends feather. Depends if it's a goth chick. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, last week, last week Harrison was lamenting that he hadn't been in a fight in a long time. Because we were talking about the KKK rally in Anaheim. where a, uh, I heard that a, episode. Yeah, a melee yeah, yeah. ensued. And so he was saying that I, I haven't been in a fight in a long time. And I was, why would you want to get into a fight? It's it's kind of fun, you know. It's very exciting. You just want the rush, yeah. I just because the thing is, I I don't start fights and I wouldn't start a fight. But as a guy who drinks a lot and is very sarcastic, I get into trouble sometimes. Well, do you, you want know? to be like a Bukowski figure in there or something? No, no. I just you, you, you know just, I just yeah. miss you know just just getting into a fight. Yeah, hitting a guy, getting hit, I miss it. You know, <laughs> I you know I tend to not want to like you know get hurt myself. Yeah. And, but, and plus, not, not to mention, I don't even know what I would but say. But the adrenaline, you don't even feel it until the next day. Yeah, but I don't even know what I would say on you know? Monday when I'm at my desk and I got a black eye and like they're like, oh, what happened to you? And I'm like, the first rule of Fight Club, you know, yeah. you don't talk about it. But it's like, I, I don't even want to deal with that. Mm. You know, and not to mention, I don't want to like, with my luck, I'd like punch somebody and they'd like trip over a fire hydrant and crack their head open. 
And next that's you know, that's a Jew thing to worry yeah, about. Yeah, but next that's like you, that's like your Jewish mother talking. I, what I, if I you poke his eye out and then we get sued by him? Yeah, that, <laughs> no. Exactly. That, that, then I'm in a cell with Jared Fogle. Yeah, I just don't want all that to happen. Yeah. Um, I mean, but, I think I might actually need a, a life coach. I was just yelling about this in the supermarket earlier today. Because I was, I was thinking about, you know, I was thinking about my, you know, I, I have. Uh, you, you understand that that Albertsons, Albertsons is not the place to go for a life coach. You can't go there and and talk to the clerks and say, I need a life coach, and they, they won't do anything for you. Well, now I know this, you know, but I was, you know, I was talking, I was thinking about my cotton mouth, you know, my notorious uh, dehydration problems, and sometimes I'm at home and I'm like, ah, I'm really dehydrated. I should have some water, and then I realize I don't have any clean glasses. So my solution to that is just I don't have water. <laughs> so you just don't drink any water. Yeah, I just don't drink any water. No wonder you have cotton mouth. Yeah. Like it's, you know, it's... What it's, do you drink instead? Either whatever I have, you know. Something out of a can. Jameson. Yeah, something out of a can or Jameson or, you know, yeah. whatever. Oh, Regular God, for a second I thought you said J-Lube. My <laughs> mind is in the gutter. J-Lube? Is that like Jewish lubricant? No, yeah. it was... It was <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good interpretation. No, it's it's serious sex lube that you can get at a gay store. Oh, well, it's like yeah. more hardcore than like Astroglide or anything. Oh like yeah, much more durable. Wow. And it was originally uh, developed, and this all ties everything together. Actually, it was originally developed by veterinarians for doing procedures on animals. Wow! And I thought you were going to say the Nazis, and that's <laughs> it was called SS lube, and then they changed it to serious sex lube. Ah uh, no! This okay. was this was veterinary. It was veterinary lube. I'm not going to touch any of that <laughs> veterinary lube. That that you know, some enterprising gay guy figured, ah, oh, this can go up my ass. <laughs> Makes fisting so much easier. <laughs> Indeed, it does. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, yeah, Harrison, you should get a life coach. Do I you should. have a therapist right now? No, I haven't. I haven't been to therapy in about five years. How many therapists in your lifetime have you made cry? I haven't made any crime. Wow, I'm I'm surprised. Yeah. Actually, I'm surprised. How many of were like, I don't want to see you again. None of them. None of them. Wow. None okay. All right. I, I take it back. In fact, one of them, the the Freudian, when I broke up with him, he was like, "What?" He was oh, he was, he, he he was, was startled, aghast. Yeah. He, wow. I was like, "There's no more I can learn from you." All right. Well, maybe you yeah. can uh, get this life coach. He's also the only Freudian therapist left in the world. I think you know nobody really is that specialized anymore. Anyway. Well, maybe this life coach will call in with a Freudian interpretation of some of the things you say. Yeah, and what kind of brats I should throw on the fucking grill. Yeah. Right. Um, last call here is about Harrison's stand-up career. All right. Well, thank you, Mr. Life Coach. Um, uh, yeah. Here we go. Hey, yo, D. This is Flynn, nigga. <laughs> hey, I want to hear that Harrison. <laughs> Wait, did you hear what he said? He said his name is Flynn. Flint. This is Flint. Okay, okay. So he's from, he must be from Flint, Michigan. Okay, okay. And I, I, I went to high school in Saginaw, which is like, you know, right about 15 minutes away from Flint. But Flint's been in the news recently because they've been having poison water. Yeah. You know, they, and uh, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's an abysmal area to live. <laughs> but anyway, this guy's calling from Flint. Okay. Stand up shit, man. I bet that shit is good, man. You need to play that shit. <laughs> If it sucks, I still want to hear that shit, man. You know what? Uh, so Harrison did stand up last weekend at yeah. the KKK rally. That and wasn't that, a KKK <laughs> rally. It was a fundraiser for a guy who got stabbed at a KKK rally. But then it turned out 
that he may have been a racist, racist too, yeah. Himself. So it was a you know, fundraiser for racists. <sighs> it's um, confusing. But you, you did know? a whole stand-up act. And, uh, you know, I heard some of it. I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah. I, I think the uh, predominantly Latino audience didn't really get the humor. Yeah. Maybe I think some of it was missed. But uh, what, what are the odds or what are the chances of you posting that, that stand-up to the site? Or at least to Facebook? Very slim. It was mainly just for to... to See, you know, to, just so you can like, just so I can look at it and it. see how many times I said, you know what I mean, you know, like <laughs> all the various so conversation just, fillers. Self evaluation, all yeah. right. So uh, you might hear some of the jokes on the show, but there's probably not much of a chance to hear the stand up set. If I if I if I work one out, that's better, maybe. All right, what maybe else? maybe in the know. future. Hmm. He's one fucked up dude, man. <laughs> They get some real freaky pussy. You need to start telling some more stories about all those freaks he be getting, man. I like to hear about that shit. It hasn't been that many lately, unfortunately. Yeah, but you got you do have some good stories. I do, yeah. yeah. The niggas in Flynn be drinking this shitty water, man. We got some fucking nasty assholes around here. Is this guy for real? <laughs> you know, I'm wondering about <laughs> it. But, uh, you know, I'm questioning whether... You know the authenticity of this guy's this guy's accent, his voice. Yeah. However, it sounds pretty real to me. Hmm. I, nobody I know from Michigan talks like that, but yeah, what, we can okay. go with it. You know, I imagine if uh, you continually drink that water, you probably would become a nasty ass freaky hoe. I mean, I think you'd probably be irradiated somehow. Like, I think I there'd think, be some mutations. I think that checks out scientifically. Yeah, what you just said I yeah. Think, uh, hmm. Oh, you motherfuckers got all that good-ass pussy out there in Cali. I want to hear some more stories, man. I'll hit you back. Later, D. Keep it sick. Keep it wrong. Motherfuckers cool, man. Later. All right. Well, okay. uh, I, I, I would I would appreciate this guy if uh, he continually called us. If he repeatedly yeah. called us, it'd be nice to have a, a new listener here with uh, from Flint. Yeah, and, and report on Flint. He should probably continue listening because tonight's episode is going to be a little disappointing with him. For him, does if he's interested in female genitalia? Yeah, <laughs> I don't think I mentioned it once in my interview. Yeah. And all we talked about in the other section was a dolphin. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Uh, yeah, I think the this show definitely had a uh, reduced amount of female uh, uh, genitalia. Not yeah. that much vag in this episode. How many gay listeners do you think we have? Like, what do you think the percentage is? Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. We do have a few, though. Yeah. yeah I know uh, I know my brother has some fans. Uh, my yeah. brother uh, told me, actually, he texted me last night saying a guy named, he goes, you had a fan named Buttsucka99 stop by my bar last night. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I heard a call from him actually. Yeah, but I remember sucka ninety nine. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm go. sure there's some gay people listening. Hmm. Um, yeah. So Harrison, uh, we're waiting to hear some more freaky tales. <sighs> yeah. As too uh, short uh, would say. Yeah. Right. Right. I, well, apparently some people like them. Some people don't. Some people don't like the tales of my. Yeah. Some people escapades. called in and they. Th- I don't know if they felt you were like boasting or something, but some people are. I th- I'm, I'm never like, boasting. Yeah. No. These are factual tales. I mean, yeah. you're just you're telling them like a literal. A literal retelling of what happened, you know, of, of the situation. But some guys, and, and, I think, get 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 a jealous or they get envious because of uh, Harrison's conquests. Now, I've never been on a date with you, Harrison. No, but <laughs> no. I would assume that your stories have at least a little bit of humiliation in them. Yeah, I mean, it depends on who's get you know. 
Sometimes I'm yeah. getting humiliated. Sometimes, you know. Okay, okay. You know. I mean, you know, I wonder how much there really is to be mm. envious of in these stories. Well, you've never been on the business end of a feather. <laughs> <laughs> Alas, no. <laughs> Lot to envy there. Uh, people call the Cigar You're- Hotline, 206-666-3846. Uh, best way to listen to the show is iTunes. Subscribe, rate, comment. We appreciate it. Just go to iTunes. Do a search for Sick and Wrong. And uh, yeah, just give us five stars. Uh, that, that yeah, helps the show. come on. Um, finally, this is a big announcement. I have a big, mm. major announcement. Uh, finally, the new t-shirts are here. Yeah. I picked them up this afternoon. They look pretty good. What do you they think? look good. They look yeah, good. I'm uh, going to post them. They're going to be available on the site this week. Uh, I'll have some pictures up tomorrow. There's a picture um, of me looking insane wearing one. Yeah, with my cat on yeah. your shoulder. Yeah. So, uh, so. Um, you can get a sneak peek on uh, Facebook of what the new tea looks like. But they will be available this week. Thank you for your patience, all people who have pre-ordered them. They're fucking dope. Yeah, all the people who have pre-ordered them, they will be coming out this week. Uh, finally here, Sigarong Song of the Week came in from uh, a friend of mine's band, actually, The Hellflowers. This is their debut AP. Their debut EP came out this week. It's called Come On, Let's Dance. Uh, their tunes are available on CD Baby. Uh, we're going to end the show with a song called Johnny, Jack, and Jim. Uh, they're playing April 8th, if you live in the uh, SoCal area, at uh, CIA in North Hollywood. Have you ever been to CIA? No. Um, it's pretty good. Uh, the, the Institute of Abnormal Arts in, Nor- in NoHo. Uh, pretty cool, pretty cool venue. But they're playing uh, the Hyena Gallery 10 year anniversary party with Gene Loves Jezebel, right. the Hellflowers, and the Slow Poisoner. So uh, it's a friend of mine's band. They're a great band. Uh, check it out. Um, the the EP is called Come On Let's Dance. The song we're in, in the show is uh, Johnny, Jack, and Jim. William, thanks for being on the show. And thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to checking out the book, True Homosexual Experiences, Boyd McDonald and Straight to Hell, coming out uh, in a couple weeks, April 16th. That's right. So I'll be, I'll be looking forward to that. Thanks for being on the show. Uh, we'll be back next week with episode 525. Until then, take it sleazy. Oh
Harrison, a.k.a. the lanky streak of Jewish pish. And when I get a spare moment, I like to fuck women with the head of a pumpkin and the vagina of a burst tomato while I'm playing the ukulele with my arse hair. You know what I mean? No, Harrison, we don't know what you mean. So shut the f*** up.